Exodus 20, verse 15. The Eighth Commandment, do not steal or you shall not steal. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help now that the weight of just a few words will be brought to bear upon us as we have read your law, we have read your word. We pray that the three-fold use of the law would be in effect, that we would be shown our own guilt, we would be shown grace in Christ, our righteousness, and that we would be given grace to obey. So Lord, have mercy on us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Do not steal. Uh, as, as I've said, I said last week, and I say kind of just the preamble every week. Um, first, right, have the two tables up and running. Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourselves. So commandments one through four are God-directed, that the law of God commends us to the love of God, commends us to the worship of God. You shall have no other gods before me, and don't take the Lord's name in vain, etc. That those are vertically, if you will, they're vertically oriented. And the second table of the law of the Ten Commandments is horizontally oriented, right? So if you were to imagine, I forgot my, uh, my geometry or algebra, x-axis, y-axis, anyways, one's vertical, one's horizontal, uh, that the beginning of the Ten Commandments orients us towards God, and the, the therefore from that is a horizontal love of neighbor, if you will. And that it is, it's easy to, to separate these things, to think about them separately, um, love towards God and love towards neighbor. But ultimately, uh, we love our neighbor best when we are loving God first, and we love God well when we love our neighbors as ourselves. That these are intric- intricately interrelated. Uh, that we, one of the ways that we operate in, in reverence and worship of God is loving other people, serving other people. Uh, and that's part of, uh, it's not only instituted uh, or, uh, or, commit, or, or com- communicated to us in the law of God, but it's also demonstrated for us in the life of Jesus, right? Jesus says in, for example, Mark 10.45, <clears throat> famously, uh, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That that is both a, um, a, a redemptive, redemptive move that only Jesus could make, giving his life as a ransom for many. We can't do that. But we can take the posture of the first part of that and say, I'm not here to be served, but I'm here to serve, right? I have been served in Jesus, therefore I'm able to serve others. And that's the, one of the profound things that's happening when Jesus washes the, the, the feet of his disciples, that they've been served by Jesus in order that they might serve and love others. In a, in, in a very similar way, you have to receive grace in order to... Dis- distribute grace. You have to receive mercy in order to distribute mercy. Uh, and, and, and this is not, and I don't want to chase this rabbit because it's kind of lightening up in my head right now, but, but when, when Peter, in that same passage about when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13, Peter says, you know, don't wash just my feet, wash my whole body. And after he kind of, he kind of bucks at the whole thing, says, I don't, you know, don't, don't do that. I should be washing your feet. 
um, that, that unless we're willing to receive what Jesus offers to us, unless we understand that, understand our need, then we're not going to be of any use to our neighbor as Christians. Um, and I think that's a, that's a profound thing that I think we could spend all of, that's not our point tonight. Um, but to receive grace, uh, to be served so that we can, we're served by Christ so that we could serve other people. Uh, we're given grace in Jesus so that we can give grace to other people. We're forgiven in Jesus so that we can forgive other people. We're loved by Jesus so that we can love other people. That all of it is, a, is that vertical orientation of, of casting ourselves upon God. And then in, in, in uh, reciprocity, right, returning love towards God because he for, we don't love because uh, we love not because he, he loved us. But, I mean, because we, whatever, you get what I'm saying. Uh, he loved us first. As I'm butchering, butchering that Bible quote off the top of my head. Uh, but we love because he has loved us. And uh, an important link I want you to see there is that that principle is not foreign to the Old Testament. And it's not foreign to the, Old, to the Ten Commandments. It's not foreign, this idea of a vertical flow, uh, right? Both of what God does toward us. Remember, that's how the Ten Commandments begin. Uh, they begin with a statement of God's gracious move on behalf of his people. Uh, the Lord spoke, this is verses, verses 1 and 2. Uh, then God spoke all these words. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. So they have been, if you will, they've been served by Yahweh. This unworthy, griping, moaning, complaining people has been served by, the, by Yahweh, their God, uh, the, the Lord, their God, and he has delivered them graciously and powerfully. And now he says, this is how you follow me. I've, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And now the first move you ought to make from that is to love me in, in these explicit ways, in these worshipful ways, and then love other people. So this is not a foreign paradigm. What Jesus sets up for us, in, in the, again, in John 13 and other places, <clears throat> in 1 John, that's not foreign to the Old Testament of receiving grace, worshiping God, and, and extending grace and love to other people. So, <clears throat> we're in the second table, and we're nearing the finish line of the Ten Commandments. And um, I hope it's been profitable so much as you've been able to uh, engage in it. Um, Excuse me. So we've gone through these these very short ones, right? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, and now we're in do not steal. And when we, as I kind of outlined last week, when you see the negative, do not steal, there is a there is a narrow, right? There's a narrow application of it, there's a narrow obedience to it, and there is a broad application, a broad principle behind it. And when you think about the narrow application, right, don't take other people's stuff. Okay, that's a that's the a narrow application of it. But when you think about the broader application, a, a good way to get at that, if you're thinking about it on your own, a good way to get at that is to make it a positive, right? If this is a negative, don't steal. Then what might the what might the positive be, right? So as we talked about, do not murder. <clears throat> the broad application would be the principle of, hey, life is important. Life is sacred. There's a sanctity of life principle behind the do not murder principle. Uh, do not commit adultery. The positive would be that there is a, a, a principle importance to the marriage of man and woman. And that anything that infringes upon that is actually in violation of that 
um, and pursuing fidelity, not just in that relationship, but, but maybe as having the marriage relationship as a, uh, as a heartbeat of faithful relationship that influences all of our other relationships so that we might be faithful as, uh, as fathers and as, children, as sons and daughters, as neighbors, etc. Uh, so that kind of positive. And so what might the positive be is if you do not steal? <clears throat> and this is one that is going to be, I think, potentially eye-opening. Um, but if, if we're saying do not steal, then we are, uh, in, in the language of the, of the old confessions and old catechisms, uh, that, that we, have a, we are required uh, to pursue lawfully, as they would say, lawfully pursue the, the, out, the, the and this is a 17th century language, but the, outward, the, the benefiting of the outward estate of ourselves and others. The benefiting of the outward estate of ourselves and others. So the question is, that's probably pinging in your head, what do you mean by outward estate? Uh, that we should care, like it is, maybe if I could boil it down, uh, it's not bad. In the eyes of Scripture, it's not bad for you to say, I'm going to, do, to lawfully pursue um, a, a decent wage. I'm going to lawfully pursue... Um, Again, lawfully pursue benefiting myself so that I can benefit other people. Um, and another, maybe a, a, a prime application of this would be um, do not steal because personal property is a thing. Right? Personal prop, the idea of personal property is a biblical idea. That there are things that belong to you and to you alone. Uh, they don't belong to the government. They don't belong to your neighbor. They, they have been given to you by God. Uh, and so the idea, right, because if, if, if you don't own anything, if nothing is off, off officially yours, then I have, there's no, there's no way I could not steal it, right? I could just go take it and say it's, and, and welcome, if, if you want to kind of zoom way out, welcome to, you know, socialism and communism. That would be the antithetical to, to this, economically speaking. Um, that there is that personal property is a again a biblical picture. So so where where might we go? Because we know we ought not steal. I shouldn't go into food line and steal a pack of gum, um, or steal something else. I shouldn't go into somebody else's house and and rob them. I shouldn't you know. Um, I had a, a member at my my last church. Uh, he, he ended up in prison for strong-arm robbery, right, outside of the Chinese restaurant in Blythewood. Don't do that. Right? It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea uh, civilly, right, in, in the eyes of our civil government. It's a bad idea in the eyes of God, right? That's, a, that's pretty clear. But there are other ways that are potentially legal that are still in violation of the idea of not stealing. Like in my mind, and now this is where you like this is your employment. I'm sorry, um, but in, in my mind, places that um, place exorbitant interest on money lent to the poor are in fact stealing. So like title loan places, or like you used to get those commercials where hey, we'll we'll put a thousand dollars in your bank account, and you look at the fine print, and the interest is like I don't know, like six hundred. Yes, insane, right? And I'm like, you are, you're taking advantage of people who are positioned in poverty because that's the only people that, right, a thousand, 
most of us, a thousand dollars isn't going to move the radar that, that much. I mean, it's going to move the radar, but it's not going to be like the re- I can I can go buy a yacht and live the rest of my life in ease. Uh, it might take my bills away, part of my bills away for a month or so. But the people that move that for whom that moves the register, um, there's, they're going to they're going to jump on that, and all of a sudden they're going to be swallowed up, and they're going to they're going to lose. They're going to lose, and they're going to lose their title loan place. They're going to lose the title of their car or title of whatever they put down. And that is uh, wicked, and that's sinful. Um, and, and so are the ways that, that the, the, the material positioning of people is taken advantage of uh, and to, to put those who are already vulnerable, to put them at greater vulnerability, that is a, uh, um, is, a, is a breaking of this law, I guess, um, of not stealing. But that's totally legal. But just because something is legal, even financially, and legal regarding things like, like money and interest and all that kind of stuff, does not make it righteous. And it does not mean that it doesn't break the law of God. And now you can all you could get into all sorts of things that I probably don't know that well, like racketeering and you know whatever else. But um, obviously, all of those things will be breaking the the moral law of God. But the way that we um, look after the the financial care of other people, and that's why it's not wrong for you to say, "Hey, I'm going to pursue a good wage. I'm going to I'm going to try to I'm going to try to earn money and create wealth." Not wicked, right? And we can talk about right, what Jesus does about possessions, particularly with the rich young ruler. Sell everything you have and go and give it to the poor and come follow me. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a specific thing to that man that's addressing his idols. Right? He's saying, I do all of these things. Uh, and Jesus comes down to the ninth commandment and says, you've actually, um, you've, you're actually coveting. Um, and we haven't got there yet, but anyways. But he has a very, it's a for, for him, the principle stands though. So, um, but we have a responsibility and it's okay, I guess. Sometimes I feel like evangelical Christians need this like license to say, at least in my mind, I like, it's, it's okay. It's okay to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard in order that I'm able to, um, to be okay, right? We should be, we should be in, a, in a context in which uh, labor leads to wage and security right that we should be able to work and we should be able to earn a wage that makes us be able to live a quiet life in the eyes of god right we'll get to we'll get to thessalonians in just a minute but um for an idea of how um our wealth and our security and and when i when i'm when i begin talking about wealth and i'm talking about finances which will be a little of this i think it's important that we like i want to kind of put up a, like a hedge against some kind of wicked false gospels that uh, things like the health, the prosperity gospel, right? You just, you name it and you claim it and you, um, God, God's going to, God's after you having a million dollars of a plane and a boat. All you have to do is believe enough and claim it in Jesus's name. And that's heretical. Like that's, that is false, wicked teaching. Okay. That's, I'm not talking about those things. But I'm saying that Scripture links um, hard work with earning a wage so that you can live a quiet life in the eyes of God. 
So scripture lays this out. And so the things, so as, now, now again, we've kind of taken this broad, we're stepping back from the, the narrow application of it, and we're stepping into a broad application of it, saying, all right, do not steal. Uh, okay, the, the positive principle behind that would be, all right, we, there, there are things that are actually ours, worldly speaking, humanly speaking, right? There, everything belongs to God, cattle on a thousand hills, right, Sunday. Um, but there are things that are actually that's actually mine, and there's actually yours. And so that's one of the, when Scripture talks about don't move uh, the ancient landmark or or watch out for the the widow's landmark. Don't move because because what you were doing is that you're when they would move the landmark there is that they were they're actually extending what they possess and infringing upon what this other person who a widow would be a vulnerable party in that now, but even more so then. Um, and so there was a preying on the vulnerable. And so if there's a way that our pursuit of financial comfort, financial wealth, if it begins to infringe on the other, then we have treaded beyond what Scripture calls us to, and we're actually pursuing sin, and we're not pursuing what God has given us to do lawfully. But what we'll see is that when God blesses us, uh, we're, able to, we're able to work, we're able to labor, uh, we're able to earn, and then what will happen is that that blessing flows into other people. It ought to flow into other people because we have this love towards God, love towards neighbor paradigm in place. So that as God grants us blessing, and we begin to see that even though I've, I've toiled and I've earned this by the sweat of my brow, it still belongs to Jesus. My energy to work belongs to Jesus. My job and the context in which I work belongs to Jesus. Therefore, my, my wages, what I have earned from that belongs to Jesus. Uh, but I should be, and you know, civically speaking, I should be free in the context of what is mine. Um, from, I'm trying not to let like, my, my personal feelings on certain things come out. But um, <clears throat> we should be free in regarding what belongs to us from... Um, well, we should be free for what belongs to us. So it should be oriented towards God and love. We should be uh, giving towards the Lord's causes, giving towards the Lord's kingdom, um, supporting the uh, you know, education and missions and the work of the church, etc., tithing off of what he's given, and also having you know, orientation towards other people. How are, we, how, how are we taking what God has given so that other people, not only that we, we you know, if you, you keep a few dollars in your pocket when you know you might bump into somebody who is homeless or says they're homeless, <clears throat> which is, that's fine. But how am I orienting some of my funds to, uh, to bless people who are on that kind of financial margin? Who, you know, and I think, and this is again, there's, there's more here that I'm able to get into. Um, but not just, hey, throw, throwing, throwing money in a hole, but how do, we, how do we reshape a context for those people so that, so that they, can, they can work, wage, wealth? Right? How, how, can we, how can they do that too? Um, so much as they choose to. Okay? Um, but so there should be a flowing out of the blessing that flows in, but the, the blessing that flows in flows in through work. That work is a good gift from God. That, like, if we could put that on like billboards right now, like, work is a good gift from God. It was the work is not a result of the fall. We, the, the pain of work, the difficulty of work, is a result of the fall. Um, but it is, it is <clears throat> work was there before sin came in. 
Right. He doesn't let you have something because he has something better for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you, mm-hmm. and we, um, we mischaracterize, we mistaken what true blessing is. Um, but yeah, definitely. But, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad theology at the end of the day. Uh, and, it's, and it's built so that those who preach it profit off of, the, off of other people. Um, you know, they, they're totally fine with somebody taking out a second mortgage on their house in order to put, send in seed money. So, right, yeah, exactly. Um, don't get me on going on on those guys. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, that work is a good gift, and it's a part of the design of creation. That work is a good. So again, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not reading into this text, but we're stepping out from it, and we're saying there's a broader principle here about property. And then we when we begin to look at what Scripture says about property, we begin to see there's a linkage with work, and there's a linkage with blessing, and. Uh, so that work is a part of the design of creation. Adam, God made Adam external to the garden. He made him and placed him in the garden to work it and to keep it. So that the, uh, the order and the productivity of the garden, that the edges of the garden, so to speak, might begin to spread. And so that the, 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 the rule, the dominion, uh, would spread from all, as the waters cover the sea, right? There, there would be a spreading of the peace of and the beauty and the, all those sorts of things that are in the Garden of Eden. Uh, and so that one of the things that, one of the ways that Adam fails, or obviously he takes up the fruit, he eats the fruit, disbelieves God, wants to be God, all those things are true. Um, but one of the ways, maybe a secondary way that Adam fails, is that he fails in his work. He does not keep, or in another way of translating that Hebrew word, he doesn't protect he doesn't protect, one, his wife, and then he doesn't protect the garden that he has been given. Um, and that there is a responsibility there that is good and godly. There's a responsibility for his wife that's good and godly. There's a responsibility for that spot that is good and godly. And, and I feel like we've, especially like, we've, lo- many, we've lost that. Many people have lost sight of that. They, they see work only as a bane, only as a problem. And if we can get out of it, then better, right? Um, <clears throat> and and the, yes, sir. Is, is this kind of like the concept that's in the, the reading this week, where um, Moses was directed by God to uh, have the Levites receive the offering for their work? Right. It's first, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's a principle in play. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a uh, working, laboring. There's a wage, but then there's a um, a you know that that peace that goes beyond, like the, that we're never meant for for really anything, but we're never meant to be the the reservoir at the end of the chain of blessing. Right, that we're we're meant to be another another link in the aqueduct, like right? another piece of the pipe that that causes the blessing to go down. Like, but and what we'll begin to see that one of the, or what you'll begin to see is, 
that the way the kingdom works is that that's actually more, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That there, there's, a, there's a deepening, widening to our personal blessing in our outward state and in our inward state, in our, in our sort of um, physical being, but also in our spiritual being. There's a deepening of our blessing as we give, give away that peace. Um, yeah, so I think very much so that's in play. So, um, I don't want to take too, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but I want to kind of just, these are just sort of bumping highlights. I, this isn't necessarily a biblical theology of, of wealth, work, wage, or anything like that. Um, but one example of this idea of blessing others is Genesis chapter 30, verse 30. And what's happening here is uh, Jacob's been hoodwinked by Laban and He's serving and he's serving and he's serving and he's trying to marry Rachel and he gets Leah and then he gets Rachel and then he's still serving. And, uh, and finally, this is a moment of, um, of conversation between Laban and Jacob. And verse 30, he says, Jacob says to Laban, uh, For you had very little before I came, but now your wealth has increased. The Lord has blessed you because of me. And now when will I also do something for my own family? That there's a couple of principles in play here, right? That, that God is at, that, that Jacob has received the promise of the covenant, that, that there will be a, a multiplication of people and a giving of the land. Um, the, right, the land of Canaan would be theirs. And so that the blessing that is, is flowing into Jacob's life is, being, is flowing into Laban's life. But there's the sort of the secondary negative sin of the situation is that Laban is exploiting Jacob. He's exploiting the labor and the skill and the work and, and whatever else uh, of Jacob for his own ends. So that Jacob is now being, in, a, in essence, he's being robbed of the ability of, of owning his own and providing for his own. Of taking responsibility for himself, taking responsibility for his now wives. And again, this is not the Bible having tacit um, uh, approval of polygamy, right? This is a description. It's not a prescription. And so, uh, <clears throat> but he's, 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 he ought to be given the, the ability and he ought to be given the, uh, the, uh, um, the time, space, whatever, to take responsibility, to work for his own so that he would provide for his own family. Um, Exodus chapter 22, just a couple of chapters from where we are. The, the first half um, up to verse like 15 is, is somehow connected to the idea of personal property. It's somehow, I mean, you have uh, the, the beginning of it talks about theft, like when a man steals an ox or a, sh- a sheep or butchers it, uh, if a thief is caught, etc. It's all about these, um, <clears throat> the idea of th- stealing and what should happen. And then you have a description of, of what happens when, when crops get burned and stuff like that. And then you have a 7 through 15 is just a bunch of stuff about personal property. And so for people to say that the Bible doesn't teach the, the principle of, of personal property just tells me they haven't, I won't say they haven't read the Bible, but they haven't maybe paid attention to these parts, saying, hey, there's something there. Like when, verse 7, when a man gives his neighbor valuables or goods to keep, but they are stolen from that person's house, the thief, if caught, must, pay, must repay double. So there's a principle that that stuff doesn't belong to that thief, but he was, it was in the care of this one who was a, 
And if you want to get like who who had a fiduciary responsibility over the things that were in their house. So anyways, there's lots of principles here about the nature of of possession and, and, and personal property. And then when you push into the book of Proverbs, it's a treasure trove. It's a treasure trove of of things. Um, for example, Proverbs twenty one seventeen, uh, and we're gonna—I don't want to take too much time—but it's like this is just. I think there's there's a great application for the moment in which we find ourselves, right? Where there's, um, you know, the stuff that the governor's talking about with the uh, with unemployment benefits and the sort of the way our federal government is willing to. Sort of just distribute more and more funds, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm not. This is this is not me politically platforming. This is me pointing out that the Bible applies to our present moment. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, so that these principles should shape how we see. So Proverbs 21:17, the one who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will not get rich. So the idea of of wasting life. Right, wasting what has been given on pursuing pleasure and wine and oil, the the luxuries luxuries of life, rather than taking responsibility for self, family, work, etc. And so uh, that the wickedness of the wine there isn't necessarily its <clears throat> its uh, intoxicating effects, but the wickedness of the wine there is that it's leading the person to waste what they have. More vivid is in chapter 22, verse 20. Uh, Don't associate with those who drink too much wine or with those who gorge themselves on meat, right? We know, right? Drunkenness, gluttony, pretty straightforward. Those things are sinful. Uh, But notice the, the principle in verse 21. For the drunkard and the glutton will become poor. That they are in essence thieving from God and from themselves. And grogginess will clothe them in rags. That the wickedness of gluttony and drunkenness here. Now they're wicked for other reasons. But one of the ways that they're wicked is that there is a, in, in essence, there is a theft at the heart of it. There's a, there's a thieving from what one might have earned or more usually what another person has earned. Right? When you go and you drink somebody, you drink all of the all the booze at somebody else's party, you're not only destroying yourself, but you're thieving from that person. And you're thieving from the days that the God has given you. Don't you giggle too much. Um, <laughs> um, but it just it adds another layer to how we understand, like, state it. We know, we know those things. Like, drunkenness, gluttony, right? Um, that those things are wicked. But the the... the Writer of Proverbs here is saying is, there's an there's a extra level of wickedness here is that it is a form of theft. You're going to become poor. You're, you don't have to become poor. It's, it's like, um, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to sound judgy, right? You say you're on a limited, you're on a limited income. You're on a limited income. Uh, you have a lot of bills to pay, and yet you're willing to... You're willing to spend hundreds of dollars a month on alcohol, and you're willing to spend hundreds of dollars of money on cigarettes or et cetera. Uh, That's not me being judgy, but I'm saying you're wasting – you're actually breaking the commandment do not steal because you're stealing from God. And you're actually stealing from yourself, feeding your own appetite. That's a form of theft, that there's a way that you don't just steal from other people, but you can steal from God. We know this, Ananias and Sapphira, heads up. But you can also steal from yourself. 
And all of them are wicked you know, in their own ways. And I think that's eye-opening when we take the law of God and we begin to apply it to ourselves and saying, am I, am I robbing what God has given in my time and my money and my treasures on things that are worthless? Um, and I'm not even making, that's not even a, a comment about the nature of alcohol or cigarettes. But that's a comment about that, that if, if, it, if it's between, hey, I'm going to keep the lights on today or buy a suitcase of Bud Light, pay the light bill. And you, would, and you probably wouldn't be shocked, but you ought to be shocked at the number of conversations that boil down to that of, or something along those lines. And, and, and it's, and, but you say that, and I'm, you know, like, part of me is like people are going to get, ups- they're going to get offended, people who might hear this, and they might be in that situation. But fine, right? That, that there needs to be an eye-opening and a repentance of saying, uh, Again, I'm not making any comment right here about the nature of alcohol. or the, It could be uh, something good and fine, like going to, a, going to a football game or going to a basketball game or going to a car race. Or go, all those things in and of themselves are not bad. But if it comes down to actually taking responsibility for yourself, taking responsibility for the family that God has given, taking responsibility for the work that God has given. If you choose the recreation and the luxury rather than the responsibility, it's a form of theft, biblically speaking. So maybe that's a better picture than, than alcohol and cigarettes because we want to, you know, cigarettes are so terrible and alcohol is so awful and all this stuff. But, but these things that are fine and good, but if you're, if you're pursuing those things rather than taking responsibility... Um, and by taking responsibility, right, you're keeping the lights on, you're keeping the roof fixed, and you're keeping the insurance up, and whatever else. Uh, <clears throat> and I think, again, that broad principle of application begins to, begins to kind of really mushroom into something that's helpful. That, that beginning to see that this will work, right? For example, and this is, I'm not, this is just my context. Me taking responsibility for myself... For, for hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna you know do I'm gonna do the things that God has given me to do. That which is in front of me, uh, I'm going to t- try to take responsibility for my part, for my wife, for our three kids, for where God has us, for our you know all that kind of stuff. That that is not, despite what TV's um, <clears throat> TV might tell you, or despite what radio hosts might tell you, that that is not degrading to life, but that's actually a form of worship. That's, that's actually, right, connecting second table, do not steal. So I'm not going to steal from myself. I'm not going to steal from those that God has given me to be responsible for. I'm not going to steal from my wife. I'm not going to steal from my children. Not just financially, which is a thing, but in my time and my abilities and whatever, my affections, that I'm not going to steal from them and, and if you link the, that second table principle, love towards my neighbor, my closest neighbor being my wife, my kids, I'm not going to steal for them. It's actually a form of that vertical orientation. And so all of a sudden, working hard, even though there are days where you're like, I just want a break, right? And then, you know, plan a break. It's good. It's good to take a break, take a breath. But all of a sudden, there's, there's extra fuel in the tank. And that's not just because I'm a preacher, Right? I, I mean, I, I get, like, part of my job is, like, I get to go read my Bible and pray. That's part of what I do. 
Um, some of y'all, that's not what you get to do. It's like you have to find time for that. That's like what, part of what I do. But that, but that idea of work and wages, responsibility, wealth, that's not just for me, but that's for you in the context in which you are. And it's, it's a way that I live out worship. I live out proclaiming the worthness of Jesus. Okay, soapbox. So it drives me, it just drives me crazy when, when we're counts, I'm sorry, this, I'm not off the soapbox yet. It drives me crazy when all of the, the cultural voices, particularly about manhood, are all they are trying to do is tell you to shirk responsibility. To try to tell you to, to, you know, uh, to go you know, find your man cave, go get out of the house, go let the women do their thing in the house and let them take care of the kids. And, and you just go, like, go fishing and go hiking. And I, like, I love all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is, that's a form of theft. It's a, it's a form of a lot of other things, but it's a form of theft as well. And it's a, it's a breaking of the Eighth Commandment. And if it's a breaking of the Eighth Commandment, then it actually isn't pursuing true life for me. And it's actually not worshiping Christ also. So it, it, it drives me bonkers. Okay. Um, Proverbs twenty eight nineteen. I've got to wrap this up, don't I? I'm sorry. Proverbs twenty eight nineteen. Um, the one who works his land will have plenty of food. Principle, right? Work, wages, wealth. Right? Have plenty of food, but whoever chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Chases fantasies. Fantasies. You drop your paycheck on a, on the lotto. You're chasing fantasies. Um. Okay. One last scripture, and then I'll put a bow on this. There's a lot here. Second uh, Thessalonians three, uh, really six through twelve is um, is talking about a phenomenon that was happening in the the church at Thessalonica. In the church at Thessalonica, they were so caught up with the second coming of Jesus. Right, like some Christians, there's like a thing on Facebook right now about the you know copy and paste about the Antichrist and whatever else. And, we get, so, we get so caught they go, anyways I'll, I'll live in the phenomenon of Thessalonica they were so caught up in the imminent return of Jesus that it caused them to neglect their present responsibility they were idle not just in the work of the Lord but they were idle in work they were they, idle in the sense that they were paralyzed that their misunderstanding about this end times and their misunderstanding about the second coming of Jesus had crippled them for present usefulness. Present outward estate usefulness in the sense like I'm going to do good work because that's worship for God, whether I build, whether I'm a tent maker sometimes with Paul or whether I'm preaching the gospel, I'm going to do good work because that's, that's worship and it brings good to my community. Um, but they're, all, they're, they're idle in the outward estate, they're idle in the inward estate, and they were neglecting. And so, um, <clears throat> and so Paul warns them, verse 6, to stay away from every brother or sister who is idle and does not live according to the tradition received from us, which if you look, for, look at Paul, which is what he begins to do, he says that we worked. We did not eat anyone's food free of charge. Instead, we labored and toiled, working night and day, so we would not be a burden. On any of you, it is not right that we don't have the. It is not right that we don't have the right to support, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you, so that you would imitate us in working hard, laboring. 
Uh, in fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. If anyone is not willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some among you who are idle. They are not busy, but busy bodies. Now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and provide for themselves. All right, so a lot of what I've just been kind of this broad picture map painting boils down to that, right? This very strong exhortation in verse 12 that in the, by the Lord Jesus to work quietly and provide for themselves. Um, so that when we have people in our lives that are, that they could be doing something, but they aren't, they're seeking ways not to do something. So that they can be idle and, do, and just kick back and live off the government or live off some trust fund or something else. That we're just going to live off something else. Um, then, especially in the context of the family of faith, we should be encouraging those people to reconsider their position. Or, as my grandfather used to say, I need to admonish you as a brother. I always, I always, those are the conversations where I, I grimaced. Um, but they were good. So anyways, do not steal. Personal, personal property is real. Work is a good gift from God. It's a part of the fabric of creation. And it's one of the ways uh, that we demonstrate the worthiness of God. One of the ways we exhibit worship. Uh, and that we should be willing to take responsibility, whatever season we're in. And I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking like you've you've worked all your life and you've come to the point where you're retired. And I'm not saying that you have to go like, hey, go do manual labor in a quarry or something. That's not what I'm articulating. Um, there, there are all sorts of particular circumstances, but generally the principle is work wages wealth, right? That we should be working so that we can. Prov- live quietly, provide for ourselves, take responsibility for where God has us, for the family, for the people, for the possessions that we have us, that God has us, and so that we might bless other people um, and we will exhibit both. Um, there should be a, a relative wealth, right, that we, you know, de- and again, there's a lot of principles here, right, the, the minimization of debt, the, you know, start sounding like Dave Ramsey or something, but um, that there's a building up of wealth and then there's a from that, there's the ability to see other things go to other people so that they can begin to work wages wealth. And then, as we are exhibiting Christ, the work wages wealth paradigm here will taste for eternal wealth and eternal glory in the age to come. So, go work as the Lord gives you ability. Um, may the Lord bless his word.